This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of the Podmania Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gooden, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts in crime, Garth Jackson and Chris O'Brien. Chris, let's start with you. How the fuck are you doing? I'm so stressed. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) I went to the last week of honors degree, and fucking, I sent my lecturer the, um, my draft and my research paper, and the feedback was basically it's shit do it again and i have a week so that's fine that's that's constructive feedback it was more constructive but like the gist of it was it's shit do it again just go to one of those sites where you can just pay some dude to write it no 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 they're actually getting really good at detecting them now i know this thing i just got caught up early and be, yeah. no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. um goth i have a feeling that stress might be a common theme between you two <sighs> <clears throat> Different kind of stress. Um, I haven't lost my hair yet. This is... I, uh, I'm just going <sighs> to... That's what... That's what I'm sorry, were you bottle. holding off on that? Were you holding off on that just so you can open up the podcast? That's, that's my second bottle so far. Um, <laughs> all right, I suppose, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the missus deals with most of the shit through the day. I just deal with the shit at night time after work, so... So when they're tired. <laughs> that's honestly fucking hell. But yeah... Other than that, I've actually watched some wrestling this week. <gasps> oh my god! No, like, this should be a surprise on a wrestling podcast. But just literally, <laughs> <laughs> normally I just sort of read stuff, <laughs> watch a watch a couple of gifs. <laughs> oh, I see. So you're like you're, you're an average AEW fan. I see. I see. It. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, topical. Um. Anyway. Just a couple of admini bits, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the first thing, you'll be surprised to know that yet again, Podmania has changed format because, <laughs> honestly, we are the most indecisive threesome in the entirety of wrestling podcasting. Um, we've decided that we want to do something a little bit different because every man and their dog is doing AEW reviews. So we thought, let's let's move away from that. We'll still watch Dynamite, but we're not going to review it. Instead, what we're going to do is, every Thursday, we are going to release a podcast called Week in Wrestling, where we just go through all the news items and things like that. Uh, we've chosen a good week to start doing that. Um, and then every other Tuesday, uh, we are going to release a bonus episode where that might be a list or 
us following a certain feud or a certain storyline through a series of pay-per-view matches and things like that. So on Tuesday, we will be releasing our top six Money in the Bank cash-ins, obviously with Money in the Bank happening on Sunday the 10th of May. Um, And then after that, so not the week after, the week after that, we'll be releasing... I'm not going to tell you all about it because I want it to be a little bit of a surprise and we can talk about it next week, but it's going to be based around a feud between two wrestlers and we're going to document that through the promos, through the shows and through the pay-per-view matches, which is going to be fun and something completely different um but as for today let's talk about some news items guys shall we (laughs) um so first um wwe are continuing their important and most important most importantly sorry necessary cuts in the face of the pandemic um this week on top of the releases we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we have had the following releases. Uh, Cain Velasquez, um, who we'll talk about in a moment. Um, Gerald Briscoe, who has been with the company... Uh, I did have a number and now I've lost it, but I think it's... Like 35 years or something. It's upwards of 30 years he's been with the company. Now, he has not been let go. He has been furloughed. He was very, very quick to make that clear on Twitter when people started asking him. But, you know, he was never going to badmouth the company. Vince is like his best friend. Um, And then today, about an hour before we started recording, um, Curtis Axel, um, obviously Mr. Perfect's son, was released from his contract as well. So it's it's been an interesting time. Um, I'm just going to prelude going throwing to you guys by saying the wrestle votes on twitter and this has been reported in a number of news outlets actually that vince has basically said look if you want out have at it honestly we 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 need to save money so if you want to go go and on the one hand that's good because especially over the last 18 months wwe have been absolute dicks when it's come to people who've wanted the release, you know, you think of the revival, Luke Harper, um, all these people who've asked for the releases and then didn't get them. Um, it's a shame to see Curtis Axel go, um, even though he hasn't been used right since the Intercontinental uh, Championship. It's also really sad to see him go, considering he's still in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> it's the first time someone's ever been fired mid-match <laughs> so at least <laughs> at least he's known for something um so first of all let's 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 talk about Cain Velasquez so Cain Velasquez obviously former UFC world heavyweight champion um signed to a big deal presumed um presumed to be till 2022 it's believed to be a multi-million dollar deal and at the time of his release, on TV or pay-per-view, he had wrestled 130 seconds. <laughs> um, and he'd wrestled one house show in Mexico. And that is the extent of Cain Velasquez in the WWE. Are we surprised that Cain Velasquez was let go, Garth? <clears throat> um... Not really, but then I'm guessing they can just renew his contract and bring him back at any time anyway. But it's just, why even have someone like that on a proper contract anyway? I don't get it. It's They're like a sort of an attraction. So you just roll them out for the, 
they just get used for the Saudi shows anyway, don't they? So, nah, not not surprised at all. It's going to save them that type of money, considering they're letting people go who are on not even a quarter of that. Was it two point something million or something stuff like that? Yeah, something was, like that. The thing is, the number of overseas released the other week on like a really black Wednesday was um, it was from like. People seem to think it's speculation. They seem to forget that all of WWE's expenses, in theory, are public record because we're a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. Um, and they saved roughly $4 million in total. Now, this is a company with half a billion dollars in reserve. And the dividends from this year alone would have paid for those wrestlers for a year, for, for like a year and four months or something mad like that. So, like, it's mad to me that they released Cain Velasquez, who is rough on more than half the money they already saved after they released 30 people, and in reality, more, because because we're still learning about it, weirdly enough, from that people's social media. Because I guess WWE fired their social media guy. I mean, you talked about really Black Wednesday, Chris, when all those wrestlers were let go, and I was got my chance about that because I was off that week. So. Yeah. I mean, I will just preface this by saying, you know, nobody wants to be let go, especially in this, you know, in these the worst of times. But it was a little bit surprising that they kept Cain Velasquez on that sort of money. And Garth, I agree with you. I don't really understand why he's been signed to a full-time deal anyway when it's publicly acknowledged that he's been in the Performance Centre, you know, in the Performance Centre training to be a wrestler, which is absolutely brilliant, which is exactly where he should be. Um, but to sign him to that sort of money, and if, you know, rumour is to be believed they've done it just so AEW couldn't do anything with Cain Velasquez, then that's that's really just cutting your nose off to spite your face, really, isn't it? Now, yeah. Chris, you said they've got half a million in reserve. I mean... Billion. Half a billion, sorry, not half a million. I don't know why I said half a million. That's That's absolute lunacy. That is absolute lunacy that a company can have that much money and still have these many people being let go. Now, when you look at someone like New Japan or even like All Japan Stardom, um, even over here, like AW Impact, um, Ring of Honor, they've all kept their guys under contract. It's like, yeah, we're probably going to fuck us. The whole reason we signed contracts were for security, so we're not going to fuck. Like, we're not going to fuck you till we have to, like, until we're completely fucked. Whereas WWE... Like, um, they were losing money on raw taping, so they're now um, better off doing it in an empty arena. Um, they're still, their TV money is still rolling in, so like, and their network money is still rolling in, so like, they still have their two biggest quarters of revenue. So like, in reality, WWE are fine, but like, they're just, I, so like, there's literally no reason to do this, like, they hoard so many people. Like you look at all the people on their roster up until recently, they weren't using like half the people on the list of pe- of releases were people we were confused about people not them not using. Like Hawkins Ryder, why aren't they using them? Because they're big, they're over when they get the chance. Um, Diana Perazzo never really got her shot. I think she was only ever in squash matches, and like, and then for some reason you release them when you save four million dollars in a company that has half a billion is that that's that's not even a drop in the pond like that's a, that's wouldn't even make a ripple 
So I'm like, there's literally no excuse for this. And like the reason you had them in the first place is so other places can't have them. So you release them at the only time another place can't get them. So like it's I can't see <clears throat> a scummy way to do this. Well it seems that um this is all like all the releases seem to be the lead up to the sale because it puts them in a better situation on a monthly outgoing. That doesn't make it right. I know that's way it's not, but that's what happens in business, isn't it? You you, you minimise your outgoings to sell at the highest sort of price. I mean, I was reading it like earlier today. It was something like they've made cuts of three million a month, um, and then obviously they made money from not building their new fucking tower that they're building. Um, and and then it's like sort of, and like you see, they've got that four hundred fifty million in the bank. As a sort of crisis loan, <laughs> so it's like, it's, it, it's this this doesn't make sense on a business level, doesn't it? Like I I don't think I'd be half as angry about it if I didn't have to read the fucking phrase WWE family so fucking often over the last two weeks. Yeah. When in reality, like, I'm not being funny. If someone in your family's being fucked as hard as these people are, like the fam, if it's a if it's a close family, it's big as WWE are trying to portray themselves as, they'll come together and they'll be like, right, we'll, f- we'll find a way to at least help you work with this. Whereas WWE are like, nah, you're fucking out, fuck off. Like, yeah. we, we need this extra four million with our half a billion in fucking reserve. I know we didn't treat you well to begin with. I know you didn't have healthcare. I know most of you have families, but you know, too fucking bad we need to sell to Disney. So these releases, do they, are they just immediate? No. There's no... No, there's there's the NXT ones, or at least the majority of them, have got 30 days pay, and then they are free to seek whatever they want. I presume that the main roster, you know, in inverted commas, um, the main roster releases, I assume, have still got the 90 days no compete clause. Though, to be fair, at the moment and in the current climate, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have that 90-day non-compete clause because you're still going to get paid. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, the situation's going to go on longer than that. Oh, yeah, 100%, Chris. Yeah, absolutely, they are. But in a time when all we're seeing at the moment is black, potentially that might be the only silver lining to take. I mean, look at Sarah Logan. I mean, she was used on Raw, then she was fired or she was released, what, two days later? Bearing in mind that she'd made the trip to these live tape these live shows that they insisted on doing. These essential shows. Exactly. Which it is important to note they're not doing anymore. They are doing tapings, however bizarre that schedule is. Um Sarah Logan was let go two days later, having put herself effectively in jeopardy to do this show. Now is Sarah Logan and again this is potentially an awful thing to say, but is Sarah Logan a big enough name to go to one of the bigger companies? So you look at Rusev, Rusev will, any of the big companies will look at Rusev, you know, whether that's in America or whether that's in Japan, the Good Brothers or the club, whatever you want to call them, they will go to Japan and they will be fine. They will go to anywhere in America and they will be fine. But you look at people like Logan, the people that were loosed from NXT, um, you look at... Um, Ryder and Hawkins, you look at Heath Slater, some of those lesser well-known names, they're not necessarily going to land on their feet. And Chris, you're absolutely right. 
WWE is a business, first and foremost, and that's something that everyone needs to remember. WWE has kept its head above water because it is a good business. But if you are a business, you cannot keep bandying about this WWE family malarkey because it's fucking nonsense. You are either a business and you make that abundantly clear or you are a family and you look after your talent. And in you know, you look at Ring of Honor who are in significantly worse financial dire straits well, than the I WWE reach, are. I think RH might be a bad example because they're owned by Sinclair. Even so, even so. But, like, yeah, I see what you mean. Like, all these people have big backers, but none of these... Like, Ring of Honor will be helped out, but it doesn't have half a billion in reserves. And if they they are letting people go, that makes sense, because live gates will be where Ring of Honor are making their money. Like, same with Impact. Like, apparently Impact have been properly, like, properly good about... Like, for example, Lockdown... Um, got cancelled and the, they used local promoters to promote their shows and we still paid the local promoter in full um, <laughs> because they were like, you need this more than us and like it's amazing to me that all these smaller com- companies, or like even like AEW have kept everyone on staff said we're not going to punish you if you don't turn up and AEW sort of have the history to show they wouldn't punish someone whereas WWE going, hey, not, you don't need to t- show up, is a leading going, yeah but we'll fuck you if you don't yeah. like I it's just, it's amazing to me because people are still defending this. People, are, like, I saw someone go, well, secretly, everyone wants the biggest company to make maximum profit. The only way to to sort of back off is to go, go, well, everyone will have a job even if they're not used. But now no one has a job and no one can be used. So, like, I don't, I don't know how people are still defending this i don't like honestly i think the only thing they should really be saying is vince can you please tap me on the head before you come because like how can how is this in any way defensible like i'm just like when when we say it's because they're a bit um their business we're not saying that to defend it we're saying that's why they did it and it's a shitty fucking reason <laughs> yeah but the thing is it's 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 going to eke on until either they get sold or until oh, something changes. That's I don't think anything... I don't think, like, their issues with um, being treated well are going to fucking help if it's sold to Fox. Like, Fox aren't renowned for treating employees well, especially since it's now owned by Disney, who are, de- who are also just laid off a ton of fucking people for no reason. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like... You're Disney. Like, Mickey Mouse and Scrooge McDuck hang out in a fucking pool of money. And that's just Scrooge's reserve. You just see fucking Mickey's. Um, here's a Jonas brother in his fucking closet. But, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I've been waiting for my opportunity to rant about this, but, like, really, I'm just annoyed, because, like, it's, it's WWE being WWE, and I hate that, and I hate that people depend on it. Well, I mean, let's let's move on from that a little bit and talk a little bit about Curtis Axel. Um, obviously, he got released today. Again, he could have asked for his release. If he's asked for his release, then we can't slag the WWE off for granting that release because we spent so much of last year slagging WWE off for retaining talent they didn't need. And now, you know, they've said to people, if you want to release, take it. So, you know, but Curtis Axel... <laughs> Considering he was the son 
of one of the greatest in-ring talents in WWF history. And I don't say that lightly. He was, you know, in Mr. Perfect. Was Curtis Axel given enough of an opportunity? Yes, he had that initial run with Paul Heyman. He was Intercontinental Champion. And I believe he had a really, really small mini feud with Triple H. But... After that, he's been relegated to a comedy act. You know, he's dressed as Hulk Hogan, which he was then forced to stop when Hulk Hogan went all racist and ting. Um, So once he'd done that, (laughs) he was then part of the B team and then just a complete afterthought. He's nothing but a jobber. And what what I wanted to ask you two was... Is that where he is? Is that where you see Curtis Axel? Or do you think he is a misused talent that potentially deserved more than what he got? Basically, I'm asking you, is he a Heath Slater who is sort of that role? Or is he a Rusev that was an upper mid-carder that potentially deserved more of a push? No, I think he's more along the Heath Slater side of things. Because He's somebody who you could just put in a match to get somebody a win, but he was never... I mean, whoever went to a show to watch Curtis Axel, whoever tuned in to watch him, nobody. And who's? this is a really crass thing to say, but who's going to miss him? And that's a shit thing to say, but at the end of the day, if if they're streamlining it to cut costs, but also at the same time, is if it makes the programme tighter, then that's what most... TV shows and companies want to do. That's what we as fans have been screaming at them for years. Your, your roster's too bloated. And they've got rid of pretty much most of the people who weren't really there or going to make it. They were just there to, to fill space. Chris, what do you it? think? Um, in just regards to Curtis Axel, without going into another rant about the aspects of the Fed. Um, he's someone who was never going to be treated fairly because of who his dad was, and you're going to be compared to your dad as a David Flair situation. And don't get me wrong, um, Axel is so much better than David <laughs> Flair was. He's so much better <laughs> than David Flair was. Yeah, but like, even that, like, when he first like with Michael McGillicutty, he was like, he just showed himself to be sort of a bland jobber heel. And then when he was made Curtis Axel and Paul Heyman was made clear as a Mr. Perfect connection, and then he had that Mr. Perfect remix, which to be fair is such a good remix. Um, with the fucking big war drums, amazing. But I don't know, he was never the best thing about any of the programs he was in. Like you look at Curtis Axel, the best that was his run was basically a backdrop to the Paul Heyman feuds with um Paul Heyman slash Brock Lesnar feuds with Triple H and CM Punk. That's what Axel was. And then Ryback, so Ryback was the best part of that. Ryback is just inherently funny as a concept. Um, and then you have like B Team, Bo Dallas definitely carried that social outcast. So like Bo Dallas and Heath Slater were the biggest things. That like he was never the best thing about any of his programs, and he like saw success. We forget, like we forget, like just two years ago he was a tag champion, but and in a very successful program and feeding and feeding the revival so, somehow. But yeah, it was not the best thing about any of his programs. He always, he could have been a decent mid-card, but I think like his IC title run 
kind of proved. Then again, I can't remember like one defense of that belt. I, I'm skeptical he had a defense. I'm skeptical that he dropped it. I'm skeptical because like what if it's like the Royal Rumble all over again? Well, so you think it's all a big lie and he never actually held the Intercontinental Champion. We've all just been mind, like, brainwashed into thinking he once held it. Well, inherently, Rob, what you really need to ask is, what is self? We think, therefore, we are everything else. <laughs> so, when you really dive deep into it, we could we could all be talking to each other or we could be part of a shared delusion. And, like, while we are talking to each other, we're all in separate mental wards. So, like... We don't know that. It's all about perception. So, I'm going to sign this bit off by just saying I don't think Curtis Axel was used well in the WWE, um, especially towards the tail end of his run. Um, the comparisons to his dad were always going to be a negative thing. But then you look at someone like Charlotte Flair, who you know is compared to a dad, but then has backed up her talent. Has Curtis Axel done that? Potentially not again. Anyone being released is not good during this, whether you are a lower card talent or an upper card talent. However, I'm hoping, because for me, I think Curtis Axel will be fine. He will go to another company and he will be fine. He is one of those talents that I can see going into Impact and doing a very good job. So, fingers crossed he's fine. Fingers crossed he manages to get a lot more than what he got out of the last what, eight months of his WWE run? Anyway, let's move on. And it's more Vince craziness. We love a bit of Vince McMahon craziness. Basically, there's rumours going around at the moment that Vince has completely lost the plot. He's a very, very crank... <laughs> Wait, this is recent news. Well, it's also apparently rumour. The, the man had a res wrestling match with God. He did, and he won. Who came out to somebody call my mama? That that moment, I think, Vince is the McMahon. greatest in wrestling history. Vince McMahon saw Max Moon and thought, "Yes, let's spend half a million dollars on this costume." Vince McMahon thought people would watch a World Bodybuilders Federation. People, Vince McMahon thought that people needed more American football in their life, only with weird rules. Vince McMahon saw Jonathan Coachman. And thought, yes, put him on commentary. Hey. Vince McMahon saw Byron right. Saxton and thought, put him on commentary. Vince McMahon saw Bret Hart and thought, yes. Hey. So, like. You're done. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, apparently Vince is very cranky backstage. Shit is literally falling apart around his head. There's another lawsuit in regard to their shenanigans with the Saudi Arabia show. Um, there's obviously the collapse for the second time of the XFL, though I do have slight sympathy for him the second time. The first time was just balls to the wall, fucking mental, and how it didn't collapse sooner, I don't know. But the second time, obviously with... The coronavirus, it was difficult for any new company to stay above water, but the amount of money that is lost and stuff like that apparently is of great stress to him. The fact he's now being sued for that as well. Um, <laughs> apparently, Vince has thought about selling the WWE. So we'll talk about the story first, okay? And then we'll talk about how this might not be as big as we all think. So 
rumors started coming together basically because Dutch Mantel took to Twitter and he had someone he had overheard someone yeah he, <laughs> it was the he said she said I heard this person through a door that was saying to someone else um, it was Chinese whispers. Basically, he's heard that Vince McMahon is open to wanting to sell the WWE to ESPN and, that's very important, that conjunction, and Fox. Now, how that would work, I've got no idea. But we'll get into that in a minute because, obviously, Disney has now been thrown into that as well. Disney has been bandied about for years and years and years and this isn't the first time i've heard disney in the same conversation as the wwe what makes me laugh is that it's that espn and fox now fox is is a separate entity to espn it is a separate entity esp nothing on the wwe no raw isn't smackdown isn't nothing to do with espn smackdown's obviously on fox raw is on the usa network so I don't quite understand how you would sell it to both conglomerations at the same time. Do you sell Raw to one and SmackDown to the other? Do you sell just the rights to ESPN? I don't entirely know how Vince, I've had a wrestling match with God McMahon, is going to do this. So, I mean, what are we thinking in general? Chris... We'll start with you, because I think you've recovered from that initial rant. Um, Fox is owned by Disney, isn't it? Part yes. of Fox is owned by Disney, I believe. It's like entertainment. I'm looking forward to part of WWE turning up on um, Disney Plus now. I can go seamlessly from The Simpsons to some bang average wrestling. In the ride-along. <laughs> nice. To be fair, I wouldn't be surprised like if that happened. There would be original content going on Disney Plus. Saturday <sighs> morning slam. God, <laughs> oh god. Um, I will just say now that Fox is not owned by Disney. I thought it was, but I'm looking now. In my defence, Garth fed me the information, so it was his fault. No, no, no. I sure, I thought it was as well. The I thought it was, but apparently not. I don't think because that, that's how they own um, <clears throat> all of the Marvel stuff, like the X Men and the Fantastic Four. Yeah, they also they also have Simpsons, which is like really eerie because in two in the Simpsons movie back in two thousand seven. Bart Simpson wears a brow on his head and says, I'm a mascot of an evil corporation, obviously meaning Disney, and now it's, they don't Disney. So. It's, it's 21st Century Fox, so it's just like the TV and the movie stuff. Yeah, Disney officially owns 21st Century Fox. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, Garth, what do you think about this? <clears throat> I think, on a business side of it, if you look at what Disney have done with Marvel, with Star Wars and everything else they bought, They'll make a shit ton of money out of it and they'll they'll absolutely hammer out stuff and they probably will change some stuff if Vince isn't in control, but it depends whether or not they just buy it and then leave it as it is. Um, they'll definitely... I would be surprised if they don't change live event schedule and stuff like that so it's not just every fucking night. <laughs> um, but 
don't know. When where does it get to the point where somebody comes in and says, "Look, Disney own too much shit." It's like fucking Coca Cola. Cola. But do that. But when during the Fox deal, they did almost get done by the monopoly, uh, like the anti-monopoly laws in America. But then we were like, nah, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Same thing happened actually because Sony's been buying up all like, pe- like Warner's and um, what's the other major? I should know this. Um, but they've been buying up a bunch of pe- back catalogs and they've been done by like anti-monopoly laws. So like, laws I mean, are like play. If, like, if Disney do one sort of the movie and stuff that they can they can tie that all together because they can obviously make their movies through like the WWE movies and try and sell that shit. Um, but if they own the cable channels like FX and the net, um, like the other network groups, then they can start putting out TV shows and stuff. So it kind of makes sense. But from the, like a fan standpoint. Until things change, it doesn't really make a difference. It, it just means it's one it's one conglomerate to the next. It depends what part they are looking at selling. Are they selling the company as a whole? Are they and keeping people in charge when it comes to things like booking, like you said, scheduling? Um, it, there's too much in the air. It is, at the moment, nothing more than a rumour. And it is worth saying that Vince McMahon has entertained the ideas of selling WWE for years. So... <laughs> This has been going around for years and years and years. I think it is merely because Dutch Mantel has basically had his ear against someone's door and basically gone, ooh, um, that we've got Whereas this. in reality, somebody was just saying, did you see that show on there? Disney the other night, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dis- he just said Disney and was like, oh, quick, quick, quick to Twitter, to Twitter. <laughs> um, to be fair, this is shakier sources than we're used to. We're used to, like, random leaks within the company, but... But this room is basically because Dutch Mantel think he thinks he overheard something. I'm not being funny. D- Dutch Mantel oversaw fucking last rights in TNA, so like I don't really value his opinion much. <laughs> Just a little bit of a uh, tidbit. Um, Disney bought 21st Century Fox for 71 billion dollars. Oh damn! That's that. That's oh my god. That, that's an inconceivable amount of money. That, that's absolutely that, mental. That's and when you think that has to be more than the fucking national deficit. What the fuck? And when you think that what WWE is what maybe it's one or under? I think Vince that's is looking Vince. at five billion dollars because the fucking UFC hell. went for four. So that's why he basically wants it to be more expensive oh, yeah. than the UFC. Um, but like. When you think about it, you sort of like have the Simpsons, X Men, Future, all these amazing things, and then WWE. So, like, it sort of makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting story. At the moment, I give it no more credence than that. I mean, I've seen things that say this deal's going to be tied up by the end of next month. Well, no. <laughs> I, d- I don't I don't think it will be. I don't I don't like I say I don't give it any more credence than it's a rumor, potentially a stronger rumor, potentially there is something in the works, but I, I 
it would be interesting to see what would happen and how, especially if they get if that first thing is going to be done and they're going to sell it to ESPN and Fox. If it's all owned by Disney, which we've just ascertained it is, then will one show go to Raw? Sorry, one show go to Fox and one go to ESPN. Where does that leave the USA Network deal? Bearing in mind they've just signed these very lucrative TV deals. It's yeah. It's it's going to be a very very interesting couple of months to see where this you leads know, us. Um, this is all just a daft rumor, but you know what isn't a rumor? WWE Two K Battlegrounds. Oh my god! So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so the WWE, uh, sorry, or Two K, should I say, um, announced earlier this week on Monday, in fact. That they would be dis- out of nowhere. They announced on Sunday that at seven a.m. they would be making this announcement about the two K series. And basically, what this what this is boiled down to is um, they're discontinuing it for a year because WWE Two K Twenty was an abhorrent pile of shit. Um, which <laughs> instead of fixing, We're- they've just released below average DLC for. Um, and just left it to be a buggy piece of virus-infested dog shit. So we both felt. Oh god, yeah. Well, I got it for Christmas, so it's slightly different. But I got it for like a tenner in a second-hand shop in Perth because they couldn't sell it. Um, so we were like, "Yeah, we're just gonna make it a tenner." And yeah, like it's super weird because like it's annoying because like for every like cool thing they added, there's like a million things wrong. Like for example, um, how we. Universe mode is a lot more streamlined, but also like everything in it is broken. Um, like these cool towers, like the, the towers are objectively cool, but it, for objectively cool towers to matter, it needs to be a good fighting game, which it is not. Um, they threw in like so many arenas, which is cool, but also like the NXT UK arena is literally just the Hammerstein ballroom with an NXT because it's basically what you download if you wanted NXT UK on 2K19. So, like, I don't know. Like, everything looks possessed. I think it's... And, like, the story mode's wank. At least it's somebody actually taking a step to... Just to to do something to improve. (laughs) Play Fire Pro is perfect. This was not what people wanted, though. When people... Everyone immediately, and this was the wrong thing to do, because 2K announced that they were doing this meeting, and everyone went, oh, my God, because they said it's going to be something completely different. So everyone instantly just went, oh, my God, it's going to be a new GM game, a new GM mode. And rather than that, the 2K people just sort of shat in their faces and said, no, what we're going to do is we're going to give you an absolutely bang average follow-up to WWE All-Stars. And that's what we've got in the WWE 2K Battlegrounds game. It's a sim- an arcade simulation where they've embraced the fact that they can't do character models and just made them stupidly cartoonish. And if you look, if you look at the face scans, they're literally just the face, the face scans from 2K20. Yeah, they are. They've literally just pumped the 2K scans full of steroids and put some big crocodiles in there that's literally what it is apart from the women who look like those brat dolls (laughs) (laughs) yes they do they've got the to be fair it looks fun and I'll probably get it but here's the thing it would look fun as like a 
10, 15 pound downloadable game. This is going to be a $60 release. Fucking better not be. Well, <laughs> it will be, though. Let's be honest with ourselves. I think more than I think the thing that bothered people more was the fact that they've pretty much said, "Yeah, we're not even going to bother continue working on WWE 2K20." <laughs> so, those people that have bought 2K20 on the promise that they are going to fix so much of this bullshit, it's just not going to get done now. They've said, "We'll keep the servers open for 2K19 for now." Which <laughs> what the fuck is that? You have released this absolute crock of bollocks and expected people to pay, like you said, Chris, upwards of 60. The ultimate edition was 90-something dollars. And you play it, and that first build of the game that they released was unplayable. Absolutely unplayable. unplayable. It was horrendous. Because the patch is so big, I I had a wee little play on it with Alpha Patch. And oh my god. Oh my god. The glitching, the state of that game was unreal. So on the you know, on the plus side, Battlegrounds at least looks a little bit more stable. Can I point out that two or three weeks before 2K20's release, we'd had little to no gameplay release and little to no screenshots. The roster didn't get released until something ridiculous like a month before. There was just no pomp and circumstance like there was in 2K19. On the Like I said, I thought All-Stars was going to be an absolute fucking dumpster fire, and it turned out to be relatively fun. So I think the problem that people have <laughs> is that we are, rele- we are replacing a marquee sim game in the WWE 2K series with what is effectively... A glorified mobile game. Yeah. Well, the thing is about WWE um, All Stars. I did replace the SmackDown vs. Raw for that year. It was it was like, oh, here's the cool we actually we've been working on, and like it was just it was easy to make because it was built off the it was made by the same studio like in, like bought by THQ at that time, but like the same studio who did um, TNA Impact of yeah. all things. And then, like, we were like, okay, that game was blank. All we're going to do is going to take the same engine and do wacky shit, and then it will work. <laughs> and it actually was quite a sort of deep sort of system to it, where it was like a rock, <laughs> paper, scissors sort of thing. Number 10, that just rock, paper, scissors is deep. I mean, the, it, it was Pokemon, basically. It was, was real time, big graps Pokemon. Chris, are you going to buy it? <laughs> no. At least not until it's second-hand for, like, a tenner. I was just going to say, you did say this. You were vehemently against buying 2K20 and then text both me and Garth going, I bought it. Um, well, Garth is giving a tenner in a fucking second-hand shop. I abstained and stuck with the, the better game. I respect your morals, my friend. I, however, caved like the absolute spineless twat I am. So, there Same we are. I mean, I will be buying that Battlegrounds or something because it looks, like, fun. And I also bought Street to Rage 4 today, so... <laughs> to, be, to be completely fair, I played 2K20 for like half an hour to see how bad it was, and then went back to Firepro, which I'm close to a thousand hours on now. Guys, are you proud of me? Well, on... What day is it now? Thursday? On Monday evening, <clears throat> I booted up the PS3 and had to go on the WWE 14. Oh, 2K14? Oh, what a game. What a game. Best one. 
Yeah, by um, a mile. Well, you say that, it came number four in our top ten list. Mm, yeah, but you look at the games that came above it, it's hard not Tick- to put it forward. Ticking was number one somehow. Because it was great. And the only reason FIFRO was so far off is because my friend to walk in, he didn't live that far off. To be fair, I have been playing there. Here comes the pain a bit. I even played with um, Benjamin for a bit as well. It was Seven, who was who was absolutely loving it. Oh, Ultimo I got... Dra- Ultimo Dragons' his favourite. I got really confused for a second because I thought you meant Shelton, Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Did you did you let your child win, Garth, or did you go, oh, that's really sweet, and then literally burn his ass? No, no, I didn't, because he kept saying, just stand still while I do this, and I was like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> it's quite bad, like, um, if you play with a child for long enough, they know when you're letting them win. Like, I play, like, Marika and Smash Brothers and the nieces, and now they know when I'm letting them win. Yeah. So I can't let them win, but also... I am a 23-year-old, and they're 10 and 8, respectively. So, like, what the fuck am I meant to do? I just don't play it. I just let them play it, and I watch, because otherwise I win. Because they'll, they'll hate me if I let them win, but they'll hate me if I win. I, can't, I literally can't win. So, from something bright and colourful to something completely on the other end of the spectrum. Obviously, at the moment, Vice is airing their second season of the Dark Side of the Ring series, which obviously goes into detail about some of the darker stories from the world of professional wrestling. And, you know, just to give you an idea of some of the episodes that they've released, obviously they started season two with a two-parter on the Chris Benoit tragedy. Um, We've had things like um, the killing of Bruiser Brody, Jimmy Snooker and the death of his girlfriend, and whose name I can't remember, and I feel really bad about that, Nancy Argentino. Um, Garth... You wanted to talk very briefly about the one that you've watched this week. What was that? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I hadn't seen any of them. I watched the Benoit one when it came out um, while I was on my deathbed with the the virus. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I've just been binge watching some like I've been watching it a couple every night, and I watched the Bruiser Board on, which is pretty good and quite shocking um and then i've watched the macho man which was quite good and obviously the death of elizabeth etc but the one that really stood out of the ones i watched so far um is the gino hernandez because i didn't really know much about him um but fuck me like that this guy i mean he died when he was i think it was 32 uh he got in with the wrong crowd he um drugs, all that sort of stuff, like some Las Vegas drug dealers and stuff. So obviously it's, the documentary sort of follows that as well as his wrestling. But um, Jesus Christ, he was like a cross between sort of Ric Flair and Macho Man. Um, just the charisma was unbelievable. Like you watch his promos and you're like, holy shit, this is this is like top top tier promo. And then apparently, from like Jake the Snake talked about me, he tagged with him for a while. Um, Bruce Pritchard talks about the same. Like in the ring, he was like excellent as a character. Like the crowd either loved him or hated him, um, and he lived for it. But obviously, he had his vices as they all did back then, um, and that got the better of him. But watching that was, I was watching. I was thinking, it's such a shame that this guy didn't get 
to fulfill his full sort of potential because I, I watch a few of his matches, I watch a load of his promos and they were like the title promos like with The Rock or with Stone Cold stuff, you, you're watching you can't not you can't stop watching it. It's engrossing. There's bits where he's in a like a Lamborghini and he's putting off all these sort of one-liners, these quips and stuff, and it's like instant sort of gravitas towards his character. It's really, really, really good. Like, definitely, of all the ones I've watched so far, I think I've watched about seven of them so far, that's been the best one because it's been a surprise. And it's someone that never gets mentioned, but it's someone that probably would have been on, going to be quite a big deal. Um, it was really good. Yeah, worth watching, definitely. Um, I've watched a couple of these myself. I can't, I can't bring myself to watch the Chris Benoit one. Um, I've heard, I've heard it's fantastic, and I've heard loads of people give lots of positive feedback about it. But I just had it's a hard watch. It yeah, it's, hard watch. it's uncomfortable. They, also, they, they managed to toe the line between um, saying how much, um, how big he was without glorifying him. Yeah. And I think it's important that you do remember Chris Benoit as a wrestler, but the tragedy obviously overshadows that. And I, I can't <clears> watch a bet about seeing a murderer. That's all I can see. Yeah, yeah, I I find it really. So, for example, I was I was watching Royal Rumbles um a while ago when I was off ill, and I got to 2004, and I I physically can't watch it. And I know obviously you know people say oh it's only wrestling, yeah, but he ultimately performed what was a completely unforgivable thing so no I, I can't watch him as a wrestler the one i've watched um most recently is actually from season two uh, i think it was episode six the assassination of dino bravo um oh, yeah. and i watched this because we did a watch along uh, episode 150 in the archives um of wwf's the big event and again boys i apologize for that because that was fucking shit um i don't know but I saw him as a character, and I'd, I thought I knew I'd heard something about Dino Bravo, but I couldn't for the life of me remember what it was. So I went and watched this, and it was just fascinating. Like you mentioned, Garth, with um, Gino Hernandez getting in with the wrong crowd. He was the son of a oh, sorry, the um, the son-in-law of one of these massive mafia crime lords in Canada. Um, got into the wrong sort of business once he'd given up wrestling. Apparently knew his time was coming, and then he was just found in his house, in his TV, on his chair in front of the TV, shot seven times, assassination style. And to this day, it's not solved. And it's just, I know it's horrendous, but it's such a captivating story. And you just, you can't believe that something like this happens in wrestling but there's so many stories like the like you mentioned Garth the Bruiser Brody one or the fact that Jimmy Snooker effectively got away with murder the murder of Nancy Argentino he because with I the think, help of Vince apparently as well well exactly there's also one on New Jack isn't there there is yeah, yeah there is one on New Jack yeah and I'm not going to say uh, anything bad against New Jack because he is a lunatic honest, I watched like, um, I watched the Screwjob one and it was I mean, not much of it that nobody already knew, but there was a bit in it where Jim Cornette's talking about it and Russo's talking about it, and they both claim they came up with the idea. And Shock. Russo <clears throat> comes across as he comes across, and then um, Cornette just says, well, th- th- this guy couldn't fucking <laughs> think this way out of a, a paper bag sort of thing, and 
and he says, "I'll put my, I'll, I'll put my life, my mum's life, my dog's life, and everyone I know's life on the line to say like I was the one who came up with that." And Vince was like, "Well, unless I was at the toilet, he didn't suggest it." It's like fucking. Even on this thing, there's a feud, and like <laughs> even at the, at the end of it, honestly, the end of it, it's it's um, when everything's said and done, it's um, Cornet at the end, he's like, um. I'm going to live until I see the day that I piss on Russell's grave. <laughs> and he's like, my wife even has uh, instructions that if I'm incapacitated or unable to do this, to get me to that grave. <laughs> it's like signing off with a fucking promo and rinse, rinse Russell. Oh. oh, God. Yeah. The Vice documentaries as a whole are amazing. We have another wrestling series just called, um, I believe it's called The Wrestlers. And I binged it a while ago, and you know what? Like the Dark Side of the Ring is a really difficult watch, but the wrestlers just makes you appreciate how amazing wrestling is. It goes to different parts of the world and looks at different um, subcultures in wrestling. So you sort of have like Joshi's the one that got me into it, obviously, but like then you have like Lucha and Deathmatch and like the American Indies, and they just go over this place. They, they found wrestling I didn't know existed. For example, there's um, this Canadian fed which just goes around all the indigenous communities in um, Canada, all these really poor communities, and puts on really cheap wrestling shows. Um, and like they're signed, it's like a proper full time job for all these people, and we go on these tours. And like they barely, they, from what I understand, they barely make the money but we just do it because it inspires people and of all people to show up in it fucking Kaito Kiyomaya was on excursion to that promotion of all things and then it had like death matches and I've never understood death matches but like this helped me at least understand the mindset and it's an amazing inspiring there's also one about how wrestling in uh, they went to the American scene to Mexico and I think we also went to Japan I can't remember and talked about how like wrestling helped certain women get um come to terms with domestic abuse and like it's an amazingly well put together show and then, like well dark side of the ring well like i've watched a couple only watched a couple episodes of those episodes of made me question my fandom in wrestling because of how awful wrestling can be when like the wrestlers sort of inspires you to just love wrestling it's amazing so there you go Wise words from Chris. Um, mm-hmm. We'll move on then. Um, Garth, you've watched yeah. some fucking wrestling this week. <laughs> I'm yeah. so proud of you. I watched some, but I couldn't watch all. <laughs> oh, to, be, to be fair, I've got you covered tonight, too. <laughs> so, Impact Wrestling um, was supposed to put on their Rebellion pay-per-view, but unfortunately, obviously, in the current climate, got cancelled. So they taped it empty arena and aired it over two nights, over um, April the 21st, and then their second night was Tuesday, April the 28th. Now, Garth, I believe you watched night one, and then Chris, I believe you watched night two, so rather than... I've run watched that- both. Oh, have you watched both? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fair enough. I'm sorry, have I just thrown off your entire format? No, no, no. Um, rather than running down every single match, um, Chris, I'll ask you to talk about night two. Garth, what was there a night one that made that stood out to you? What did you think? <clears throat> um, to be honest, it was overall like a good fun, easy-watch wrestling show. Like, it was only an hour and a half, but 
kind of sort of flew over. Um, Madison Rain was on concrete and she wasn't awful. <laughs> the one thing she's not awful at. Um, she was actually quite good. Um, the, the, I mean, I really enjoyed the, um, the X Division match with Willie Mack and Ace Austin. I thought Ace Austin's, because I haven't watched Impact for a few months and Ace Austin's like really come on as a character. Um, they did like a an opening video where it was obviously just sort of a recap video and there was a bit in it where he, uh, he'd sent around the uh, Reno scum to take out Rich Swan, and it was like Rich Swan was having a Skype call with uh, I can't remember what he's called. Um, but Ace Austin comes in, he says, Oh, hi, is that Rich? Or is there someone at your door? And he's like, There ain't no one at the door. And the, the door goes and he gets beat up. But it's like that whole, he was doing all these sort of dastardly things before the, the match, but the match itself was really, really good. I really like Ace Austin even when I first started watching, but um, yeah, just like good back and forth. Fucking Willie Mack just leathering the shit out of him, like fucking following through with some of his stuff. And he did this insane coast to coast all the way across. I mean, Willie Mack almost went out the ring the other side. He went so far. Jesus. Really good. Um, but that was a really good match. Uh, Willie Mack won, won, took the title. Um, that was probably my favourite match. And I'll tell you what. Match really surprises. Uh, Kira Hogan versus Kylie Ray. Because <laughs> Kira um, Hogan actually had a decent match. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I put it in my notes. I said like she's improved so much from the last time, and her character is really good as well. Like, uh, like the heel side of stuff. Um, never really been sold on Kylie Ray to be fair, but that was pretty good. And the the <laughs> the Shamrock versus Callahan match was just. It was like. Kind of like a Poundland version of the Edge versus Randy Orton match. <laughs> so it's about following on from TNA trend of just being a Poundland WWE. But it was it was so much fun. Like the opening video because I hadn't like I say I haven't seen it for ages. And Callahan's got this new persona where he's like, what is it? ICU, and it's sort of like anonymous kind of thing. Um, and so he's been do- doing all this stuff sort of putting the shits of Ken Shamrock by making his lights flash and stuff. <laughs> um, and Ken Shamrock comes out and you're like, holy shit, this guy's, what, 56? And he's still ripped. He still looks like he can go. And he does go. It's a good match. Um, they go for a bit of a brawl and then they, they go backstage, which is an obvious previously filmed part. Um, there's one bit that uh, surprises is because OVE come out and they start attacking Ken Shamrock. And then Callahan wipes them out with a baseball bat. He just smacks them all out of the way, sort of thing. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, then oh, <laughs> they end up having like a face off. And uh, Sammy Callahan's sort of like, let's finish this. And then uh, Sean Mock just goes outside. <laughs> and then this Wild West music starts playing. It's so, <laughs> it, it's so like campy, but it's so just good fun. And then they have a a match and then Sammy passes out with a uh, in the ankle lock. <clears throat> Just a good for a match. Uh, those are like the highlights of the first match and then <clears throat> on the night two, which but I mean they've been seen all the way through the show because of the pandemic, etc. Um, on night two, Tessa wouldn't be there because she's in Mexico, and um, Eddie Edwards wouldn't be there as well, so they weren't really having like a title match. So, so um, I know. Wow. 
Well, I know what happened, but I, I didn't see it, so I haven't seen any of that stuff, so over to Chris. Right. Um, because because there's only four matches, I'll give you like an abridged um, thing for each one. Um, Chris Bay, who weirdly enough isn't like just my nickname, it's just a guy Chris <laughs> Bay, um, took on I, I can't say his name, Reggie, um, Suicide and Trey of the Ras of a Rackles, and you know what? It was fine. It's the standard X Division fair that you'd see every week. I had no clue Suicide was back. That was fun. Um, Joey Ryan versus Cousin Jake. I'm not going to lie to you and say I paid attention to this in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to skip that. Rosemary versus Havoc. It's one of those. It's a fun metal mayhem match. And while Rosemary continues to be my favorite thing ever, um, I, I'm, it was one of those matches where you, it's, you sort of enjoy it when it's over, but you don't really care when it's over. Um, yeah. There's no real stakes, especially since I don't watch Impact or don't have the context of what feuds feud is. And then, like, Moose Fernandez and Michael Elgin at the TNA World Championship is back. I saw that, yeah. So that's good. Which Moose is now holding. And this struck me as one of those matches that would have been better if it was just Moose versus Elgin. Yeah. How old is Hernandez now? One sec. He's 47. Uh, 138. <laughs> yeah, he's roughly Garth's age. Um, oh, he is. <laughs> And like I don't know, even in like his tag title run with Chavo in what nine in twenty twelve, that wasn't great. He's not really been great since like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Um, he's I don't know why he's back. To be honest, like I don't, I know I should wish someone not to have a job, but like if he's back, why is he in the main event? He should be in like this token legacy undercard thing, like um, you'd find in Japan, not. Main eventing, you know, one of your what four pay per views of the year. Like, I'm not being funny, Alvin versus Moose is a much more fun prospect, but you know, this is so fun. There's four big men pounding into each other. Um, it's not, it, it, it was fine. Like, I can't, there's some dives that were fun, especially from Alvin. Again, I'm so conflicted about Alvin because every time I see him, I think, fuck him, fuck Michael Alvin, thanks, Raymond Rowe. But then it's like, oh, he's a great guy. Um. Yeah, it was, it was fine. But night two was fine. You know, your, your feet will stay warm because no socks are being blown off. It's good that they've put on this show, but again, hamstrung by the pandemic, hamstrung by the fact that their big marquee match of Elgin versus Edwards versus Tessa couldn't happen. But the fact that they still put stuff on. Um, is excellent. I did manage to catch a little bit of the Elgin Moose and Hernandez match, and Elgin is absolutely the standout, um, as he was in so many matches in ring uh, in New Japan. But yeah, I get I get where you're coming from about being conflicted about um, him, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Um, although, really enough, the lack of the crowd didn't really make it seem any different from any other TNA show. So. <laughs> The attendance wasn't that off. Um, Right, so final thing before we sign off this podcast, guys. I just want to have a quick word with you about Money in the Bank 2020. We were going to do some other stuff, but I wanted to sign this off so we could get on to the bonus episode to release on Tuesday. I just wanted to talk to you because I haven't spoken to you about the concept of Money in the Bank on the 10th of May with the tagline, Climb the Corporate Ladder, um, they are officially going to Stanford, Connecticut, and they are going to 
wrestle all the way through Titan Towers and then wrestle to the top of the building where they're actually going to have a proper wrestling match with the ladders on top of the building. Um, I'll just give you a quick rundown of the cards as they stand at the moment. So we've got, in the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, we have got Asuka versus Shayna Baszler versus Nia Jax versus Dana Brooke versus Lacey Evans versus Mandy Rose or Carmella, depending on who wins the last qualifier. That's fucking star-studded. Um, <laughs> in the men's, we have got Daniel Bryan versus Rey Mysterio versus Alistair Black versus Baron Corbin versus Otis or Dolph Ziggler, depending on who wins that qualifier, and then a to-be-decided. That was originally supposed to be Apollo Crews, but Apollo Crews ended up being injured by Andrade on Monday Night Raw, so it is widely assumed that it is going to be Jinder Mahal that takes up that last spot, but apparently there is going to be a gauntlet match to get to get the actual person for that last spot. And then some other matches that we've got confirmed for the Universal Championship match, we've got Braun uh, Strowman. Yeah, we've got Braun Strowman taking on Bray Wyatt, not The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Uh, then, and I never thought I'd say this, in singles action for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, the champion Bailey takes on Tamina. <laughs> Big Tom. Yeah, bearing in mind that Sasha Banks isn't on this card. Um, and then we've got, for the WWE Championship, um, Drew McIntyre taking on, cashing in his loss against Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, Seth Rollins. Um, so, all in all, um, I want your very brief thoughts on the card as a whole. Who are your early picks before we make our official predictions next week? Um. Yeah, Garth. Let's start with you because you sounded so happy about this card. Um, because I've not watched anything since Mania. I have absolutely zero uh, interest in the stories. <laughs> um, and I've already forgot who's in the matches because that many people. <laughs> it's so bloated, like for. This is why this shouldn't be a pay-per-view. It shouldn't be a thing. I mean, who's going to win the men's money in the bank? Anna. Um, could they go all out crazy and go for, like, Otis? <laughs> um, oh, my God. Imagine the fucking scenes. I mean, it, it was never going to be Apollo Crews. Um, could Rey Mysterio get it? Possibly. And have one more sort of go at the championship. Potentially, I don't know. Um, On Raw, they are plugging the fact that Rey Mysterio, the one th or one of the things he has never ever done is won a Money in the Bank ladder match. Well, he's going to win it. I think, <laughs> I think. I think you're forgetting when you say that, Gaff, is WWE's inability to end a story in a satisfying way. Right. So, because they've mentioned it, that means they're going to forget it next week. Yeah, basically, it's like Hulk Hogan era TNA. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I'll stick me out and say Ray. Okay. Um, what was who was in the women's? Um, uh, just a plethora of who gives a shit. Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and one of Mandy Rose or or Carmella. I'll go. Fucking hell. 
Baszler, just because I like her. Of course you fucking are. <laughs> shock, of the, shock of the day, Garth chose Shayna. I was going to say Lacey Evans because for some reason, some WWE likes her, but nah. Um, well, that's my matches. pick. We don't. We don't have to do. We don't have to do our yeah. predictions now. Wait until yeah. next week. I was just interested to know your first, your like your knee jerk reactions to the card. Yeah. Um, so you think Ray and Shayna? Um, yeah. Chris, I'm going to go next because um, <laughs> I can. Because I can. Like Chris, you may not speak because I'm going to speak. <laughs> yeah, sit down and shut fuck up. Um, I'm, I'm only joking, mate. Um, I'm going to go for Lacey. Um, I think it makes perfect sense for her to win. She's in a feud with Bailey at the moment, um, and Sasha, and they just—they've put so much stall in Lacey. They've turned her face inexplicably, um, because she has a daughter. Apparently, that is enough to make you a face in today's WWE. Um, but I think she will win the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. I. Men's money in the bank. For me, it's going to be between two people, and I think it's going to be Ray or Alistair Black. They've put a lot of stall in Alistair Black again, which I'm glad to see. He's had some decent matches on Raw. I'm going to go Alistair Black for the men's money in the bank ladder match. A little bit of a random pick, but my God, if it's Otis. Um. I might well hang up my wrestling podcast microphone. Uh, Chris, <laughs> who are you going for? Um, I think what we need to remember is that we shouldn't hinder Virginia. <gasps> so you're going to assume, even before it's announced, that this Gauntlet match is going to be won by Jinder, and then Jinder Mahal is going to cash in his Money in the Bank ladder. Uh, sorry, he's, sorry, he's going to win Money in the Bank, cash in against his former 3MB bandmate, for an all three MB WWE Championship match, that's what you're saying is going to happen. I mean, I was going to say it, and then he took the words out of my fucking mouth. Um, <laughs> I, this card is wank, but the one thing I will be looking forward to when I pirate this show um, is the fact that it's basically going to be the '90s um, WWF commercial. Like, <laughs> what I really want is to someone who no one wants to win to win and then for it to cut outside to Vince McMahon saying get it uh, I've got a feeling that's probably going to happen because what better ta- what better time to completely shaft the fans than when there is no fans well it's clear Vince has gone absolutely fucking batshit anyway going off that um, Triple H thing can we Second. please can we please stop acting like he hasn't been crazy for years no but this is this is like Yes, he's crazy, but this is like, it's, he's coming out on TV and doing like this stuff now. To be honest, I think Vince just discovered the aggro and is just happy he can fuck again. I just think he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's in like full like Vince fuck it mode. He which goes out and absolutely to... roasts Triple H. <laughs> which, is, which is good considering he's now a financial advisor to the, in, the president of the United States. Well, true. I'm back to pressing. Did anybody watch that segment, by the way? Yes, it was wank. I thought it was genuinely quite fun. But it, like, I'm just, I'm not happy about the PR job that's happened on Triple H. To be honest, I'm, I'm, I think it's a bit 
bad that we're now discussing all the world's bad bits because ooh NXT, which is essentially the PR job that's happened. But you know, I don't know. I I quite enjoyed it. I thought you know, twenty five years in a business, I think is, you know, it's brilliant. It's you know, and to be on top of the company for that long is fantastic. Say what you want about is, you know, the bad things that have happened. You know, I doubt there is anyone in that company who has wrestled for that long for that company that hasn't got baggage. Um, and I think he did deserve the celebration. I think they did very, very well with what they were given. The bit where he tried to spit someone else's water and they took it off him. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I thought the bit with the crickets at the end, I thought that was genuinely very entertaining. Um yeah, Vince came across as a fucking lunatic, but when doesn't Vince come across as a fucking lunatic? You're right, bro. It's impressive. I mean, I haven't done 25 years of anything. Fuck off, Chris. Um, <laughs> go on then, Chris. Sign us off in a minute with who you think is going to win the men's Money in the Bank ladder match and the women's. Said, and the women's. Oh, the women's. Um, gender. <laughs> Go full James Ellsworth. <laughs> Except he's not winning it for a woman. When gender just wants it all. <laughs> gender is gender is beyond gender. Beyond gender, gender. gender. <laughs> is that genuine your pick? Okay, right. But like in our official predictions till next week, so I'm fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have time for on today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could subscribe to the podcast, we would very much appreciate it. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate us and leave us a five-star review. It really does help the podcast out. You can talk to us on Twitter at at Podmania. Join the Facebook group, the brand new Facebook group, Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast for all sorts of juicy wrestling goodness. Um, You can talk to me on Twitter at at RealRobGoodwin. Garth, where can they find you? At Gothmania. And Chris, where can they find you? Um, appreciate. <laughs> um, don't forget that on Tuesday we will be delivering our top six Money in the Bank cash-ins and then next we'll Thursday <laughs> and then next Thursday we will be bringing you another Week in Wrestling episode thank you so much for listening guys and we'll talk to you guys again soon you've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast follow us on Twitter at Podmania Facebook at Podmania Podcasts and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.